1: closing argument walter hudson
2: pursuing happiness thoughtfully
1: eight to ten weeknights on twin cities news talk a.m. eleven thirty and
3: one oh three five fm the circle is now complete i don't know what that means a line from a movie it sounds pretty dramatic, epic, appropriate for a momentous occasion, and momentous it is. The end. I finally, after three, it took me three years to close the argument, and tonight the argument is finally going to be closed. Walter Hudson, closing argument Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 1035 FM, streaming at twincitiesnewstalk.com and your iHeartRadio app. We are here. Eight to ten tonight. <laughs> Eight to ten tonight. And then it's get your calls deal. in. Get your calls in in studio. Max Reimer. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming. Did not know you were. Very thrilled to to have you as part of the, the final program in studio. Brad Omland, the original producer on the other side of the table. Hello. And uh these two gentlemen are going to be Taking the tour along with the rest of us uh, through this final evening of the show, and I, I I feel as though I feel really relaxed, like far more relaxed than I probably should, par- far more relaxed than is probably appropriate for professional live broadcast. But I think that's I think that's okay. That's yeah, really good. I think it's all right if we just have a kind of a free range, very mobile, nimble conversation about not just the show but I think this period of time, I was thinking about on the way in, that this show has taken place, has covered a period of time that has been transformative mm. in a variety of ways. Absolutely, And by no means am I trying to draw some sort of causal relationship between the show and the time, but it's just, a, it's, it's coincided with this era of Trump and everything that comes along with Trump.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that 2016... 2016- is the most impactful year in our country's history since 2001. It just feels that way, and it, it's felt like that since then. Like big things are happening that haven't happened before, and that are shifting the way that we talk about who we are as Americans, and the the way that our political system runs, and the way that our country operates, and the way that we interact with each other. Even too, I, I, it it really has changed the f- the fabric of society in the way that 9/11 did. Mm.
5: So I want to back up. You didn't know I was going to be here tonight? (laughs) Okay, so I I actually did figure it out.
0: (laughs) It was supposed to be a surprise.
5: Oh, my, my bad. You know what it reminds me of, though, right? Like a really bad book or a really bad movie that doesn't know how to finish, and you bring in just some random character, maybe right, from right, the right. past. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm that random
3: character. For. <laughs> He's the Palpatine of the saga. apparently, yeah. is the deal. Or the or, or the uh, the the Ewok. Yeah. Right. Either way, I, I think the Ewok is probably more favorable comparison. But yeah, I mean, Xavier's not in yet. No, exactly. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna fit the bill. There's another surprise that's been blown. I don't know if Brianna was behind that one or not, but of course she was. She's like, yeah, you guys can't keep us. I'm so sorry. I didn't know.
0: <laughs> I think I used the phrase
5: DL, but yeah, Brad's right though. It I mean, wasn't me. You know, it has been culturally and politically transformative in the last three years. And I think what's really interesting. and I'm sure we'll get introspective here across the the whole episode, but even even your personal political transformation yes. to a certain extent
3: walter and yours
5: yeah of course i mean i think it's been linear in that way i think yep. you we've gone undergone a similar transformation and talked about that as i filled in on your program a couple of well about a month ago and it, it's trump yes but it is actually a better sense i think of of the pulse and the culture and everything that is real in the country it's it, it it has been a transformation i i do look at the world differently and i think as i've followed your show across the entirety of its three-year existence we've undergone a very similar transformation in that way and i'm i'm personally appreciative of that because it's like a verification that it's like right. whoa yeah these I'm things not, that i'm feeling right. <laughs> somebody
3: else feels them with me i'm not going crazy yeah no it an analogy that comes to mind and i'm kind of conceiving of it as i say it which is always a dangerous thing but it strikes me as a sort of sort of analogous to adolescence where there's a certain point you know you enter adolescence and things start to happen changes start to occur and you don't necessarily understand what's going on even if you're told even if somebody comes up to you and says hey this is what's happening here's here's a textbook here's a diagram this is what's going on with you but you don't really understand it until you get past a certain point in your development and maturity where it just all kind of like clicks at some point. It just kind of clicks and it may not be an instant that you recognize at the moment it happens, but at some point you just know that it has happened. And in a similar sense, I feel as though culturally, particularly within the conservative movement, there has been a kind of a metamorphosis that has been taking place and the tea party was part of that. And it, it, at the time, it felt like a birthing. It felt like we were, we were birthing the libertarian moment. Mm-hmm. We, we were birthing a fiscally conservative, socially moderate new conservatism that was going to become dominant and that was defining campaigns like that of Ron Paul, uh, his son Rand and similar campaign, Justin Amash. Yeah. Obviously, that was not the trajectory. That we ultimately ended up going on, that was that was a a kind of a transitional phase from what had come before to where we're at now, and it's interesting to look back upon that developmental transition and ask ourselves like how how was that the path? How do you draw the line from you know I, I evoked the chronology last night of when I was in in school in the nineties. And there was Rush Limbaugh, Mm -hmm. like he, as he is on this air even today with his 1990s style conservatism. You go from that to Bill O'Reilly, who was much more populist, but wasn't outward, like the word populist wasn't being used, but he was saying things like, let's talk about the folks and what the folks want and Mm -hmm. how the folks are being represented. And then transition to Donald Trump and, uh, tucker carlson who are who are pushing more of this like national conservatism and i it that's definitely the trajectory that's definitely the through line it's just fascinating to consider how do those things connect like how do you how do you get from limbaugh to o'reilly to trump
5: right right and and i think to a certain extent when we talk about the the tea party in particular with hindsight in mind now understanding where we are at in 2020 2019 2016 Looking back at what fueled the fire of the Tea Party movement, yes, it was fiscal conservatism and it was, to a certain extent, libertarianism in its attempted purist form, but I actually think, Walter, that there were hints of populist uprising within that. When you talk about the people who were involved in that movement across the country, not just Minnesota, it was... The center of America, you know, it was still a sense of it's us versus coastal elites. There Mm -hmm. was still a sense of that because coastal elites have always been the ones in government setting up the power structure. So I think even like the certain primary movements that happened within the Tea Party movement, that was all still a rebellion against not only bad fiscal policy, not only overtaxation, not only targeting pro-life groups through the irs it it wasn't just those things it was a cultural rebellion i believe still against what was perceived to be coastal elites and and we're seeing i think that take full fruit
4: now well perhaps it was just the bookending of uh the bush administration and how the the bailouts were done you know not obviously not from a fiscally conservative standpoint and how the recession affected kind of the working class and and bankers weren't really held responsible so perhaps you know i'm thinking of just i just thought of this as you guys were talking but perhaps it was more of a bookend and a rebellion from the bush administration um that was subsequently rejected by the party as an establishment because obviously ron paul it was by the time mccain got elected it was either ron paul or mccain at the convention and it was obviously going to be be mccain but ron paul would have been the other the second candidate and um so perhaps it was both a like a bookend to the bush administration and their and their role in the financial crisis but then it was the liberty movement that ron paul came up with was kind of rejected by the republican establishment and that continued rejection didn't get carried forth in philosophy but it did get carried in liberty philosophy, but it did get carried forth in kind of the the revolt of us versus them in the and the mm-hmm. the swamp. So I don't think it was I think it was a party or a movement, perhaps in spirit, kind of an anti-establishment that that uh, carried through, but not a not a movement in actual political ideology. It's
3: yeah. It seems clear that the anti-establishment angst is something that has proceeded independent of any sort of ideological core, and that's something that I, for one, did not perceive during the Tea Party movement. I thought they were tied, intimately tied. That it, that the the revolt against the establishment was fueled by the ideology. But in point of fact, in many cases, obviously it feels as though that was reversed. Let's, uh, let's hear from a very special guest on the line, the hotline at that, Drew Lee joins us here on the program.
6: Hey, but, I didn't want to interrupt. That was an amazing conversation. I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel bad for interrupting you. How you doing, man?
3: Doing good. <laughs> it's good to hear from you. How are things in the a.m.?
6: Uh you know they're going they're going really well. They're going good. really well. We're having a, we're having a very good time but we are going to very very sorely uh, miss your show on the station and uh I'm personally going to miss it. I enjoy listening to it. I enjoy having you as part of the family in the fold so to speak and uh you know I wish you nothing but the best but man you are very much going to be missed.
3: Well I appreciate that and of course uh, I I owe uh, a a debt to you for helping bring me into that family and being very gracious uh, during the time that I've had the opportunity to broadcast here at Twin Cities News Talk. And even though I'm not going to be broadcasting on a nightly basis, I I do still hope to be a a friend of the station, and a friend of your show, and maybe drop in from time to time.
6: Walter, you have got an open invitation. Anytime you you feel like you want to come in and hang out for a segment or, or an hour or whatever, uh, you just let us know. We we'd love to have you in there. We'd love to have you as you know part of the roundtable every once in a while going forward as well. So you just keep me abreast of your availability and uh, and when you want to come on, and uh, we will make it happen.
3: Absolutely. All I got to do is convince my ten and six year old to get themselves off to school, and I'll hey, be there on Friday morning. It'll be fantastic. It's doable. It's, I think yeah, it is. That sounds easy. I think it is. I don't know if it's legal, but it does sound very doable. <laughs> So. They've
6: got half of your big brain, Walter. They can handle it. All right. I appreciate the call. <laughs> appreciate
3: you joining us, and everybody.
6: Right, yeah. And, uh, and uh, great luck. Good luck going forward, and stay in touch. And uh, and we'll talk to you
7: again real soon.
3: I appreciate. it. You have a good one. And uh, everybody, be sure to tune in tomorrow morning to Justice Andrew six to nine on Twin Cities News Talk. We'll be back momentarily. TwinCitiesNewsTalk dot <music>
0: Learn more at cbp.gov/careers.
3: Come into this segment talking about how you're listening to closing argument and Justice Drew is in the morning. It uh, it sounds good. It sounds new, and I feel bad because I feel like I feel like they produced that like a week or two ago, and uh, then I submitted my notice of resignation. So sorry, production guy. Sorry, voice of Twin Cities News Talk for wasting your time. But no, nah, your job security for him. He's got to redo it. Oh, there you go. Oh, I don't feel bad at all. I should quit twice.
4: i will do it. It's like the uh, broken windows policy of uh, iHeartRadio. Heart Radio,
3: a little Keynesian in broadcast. Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. Lines are open, 651-989-5855. Max Reimer, Brad Omland in studio. We're also joined by... <laughs> He's shaking his head. Come on. It's, what? how do you call in, uh babe, Ziket?
8: Is that how that goes? Bavier Ziket. ziket. Babier Ziket. My alter ego, social media alter ego. <laughs> so bucket. I can yell at people for being <laughs> not intelligent on social media.
5: You just revealed your burner account on, on live radio. Yeah.
8: It has no followers, so I think we're good. Well, it might now. Now that you've
3: uh, <laughs> you, you've debuted your alter ego persona <laughs> with
5: an inconspicuous name like Bavier Zicket. <laughs> yeah, who could uh, who from could guess that one? Right? <laughs> you didn't well, even. Don't know you didn't TV even change track.
4: the city you live in. So.
3: kind of a- amateur hour over here. I kind of wish this was TV so people could see what you look like right now. You kind of got this unibomber thing going on.
8: With I just came back from bowling. Eyes are <laughs> a little a eyes are a little glazed over. Yeah, I had a few drinks. I didn't bowl very good. Our team did really good. That's all I care about. I I didn't bowl
3: very good, but my team did well. Yes. That's great. I love that. I
8: have to give a shout-out to my Uber driver, Joe from Plymouth, who voted Trump. We had a long political conversation. He voted Trump. He's interested in Bernie, but he'll probably vote Trump again, which, you know... A twenty minute. I, how does that work? twenty minute Uber ride with me? That's a good conversation. Oh,
5: I know, I know how that happened. It's it's what we talked about before. It, it's what we talked about before before the break. It, it is more or less. And actually, I think one thing actually that I think is, I'm going to say this. I'm going to put it out in the ether, and you can refute me if you disagree. I think we are more agnostic when it comes to the type of candidate we vote for, and I think we care about ideas more than we ever have. Before And I say that for two reasons, because Bernie Sanders is most likely going to get the nomination. Bernie Sanders, from an aesthetic standpoint, would never be a Beltway candidate that would be picked by either establishment parties to run for president. And the same with Donald Trump. These are not attractive men. These are not these are not your ideal JFK profile people you know there was a uh, and and we talked about Tucker Carlson before the break there was one quote that he had uh, from a few episodes ago and he said the candidate who makes it easier for 30 year olds to get married and have kids will win the election and they will deserve to win remember that if people perceive that that path is easier with Bernie Sanders I do not think it is a slam dunk reelection for Donald Trump the same people who told us that economics would be the reason that candidates would win, have been proven wrong. They were proven wrong, I believe, in 2016. They were proven wrong in several different cases over the past 20 years. And, uh, yeah, I think that Bernie Sanders feeds into that same populist narrative we talked about before the break that you could appeal to a Trump voter if you're a guy like Bernie Sanders.
8: Well, I asked Joe from Plymouth, my Uber driver, which do not call and drive at the same time unless your hands-free, because that's the law now, unless you're truly libertarian and true liberty all the way but he said trump had balls in which case the law doesn't apply to you (laughs) can i say trump has balls that's what the uber driver said so bernie does too too. and that's what i said i said so you're more interested in like this alpha male ego and and more instead than the policy he said yeah i want a leader and he said that trump was a leader and i was like I can't disagree with you on that. I think Trump will win in Minnesota. And what's even more crazy we talked about is how Bernie Sanders will win Minnesota over Amy Klobuchar, who is the senator of Minnesota who crushes with 60 plus percent. You know,
3: you know it, it feels like, cause it's, it's funny to listen to you t- say, Max, that both these men, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are not out of central casting. They're not your conventional wisdom, attractive candidates. It's so fascinating because you saw, you cited JFK, well, JFK was a a presidential candidate who came during another transition in the culture and in media. And that was a transition from radio to television. Mm-hmm. And that, right. that, that classic debate that we all learned about in school between Nixon and JFK, wherein Nixon was the favorite going in until people actually saw the two of them standing next to one another yep. and thought, this guy, this guy looks shifty. And I really like the cut of this, this other one's jib that changed how candidates look, and it changed what we look for in candidates. It seems as though there's something similar going on now that has less to do with the aesthetics of how you appear, and more to do with the fact that in the era of social media and the internet, we can see behind the curtain better than we've been able to at any other point in history, and people are sick and tired of the game that the establishment has been playing, regardless of their party affiliation.
4: Well, I I mean, we're seeing the the transition from television to twitter but i i know i've touched on this before in the past on the show is the media concept of the the medium is the message and that is to say like the it is more it is more about the way that the media shapes the way that we communicate or the way that we think than it is about the message itself and we're seeing that transition with trump like that the medium is the message is the same thing that you touched on with the JFK versus Nixon. Like JFK was handsome, uh, he wore a suit that stood out on TV, um, and it wasn't. It may not have been what he was saying, but the way that he looked that influenced the way that we voted. And Trump is taking advantage of the same thing in that he we can see behind the curtain, we can hear his thoughts directly. We're not relying on television anymore. We're relying on on his own thoughts and his own words put out. On a social media platform that is accessible to everyone as long as you have an internet connection, and so we 're seeing the way that the way that Trump tweets is sh- is shaping policy and shaping the way that we that we approach media and politics. I mean he could start a war via twitter like that could happen, and that is certainly a, a sign of the times that that signals that the media is more important than perhaps the message see i think it I think it has a little less to do
5: with. The, the candidate for the candidate's sake, you know, I think more or less the between let's just say Bernie and Trump, I think what social media has done is after they put something out into the ether, you know you obviously get the the rapid response to it, but I think it's kind of democratized working class ideals. people are much more easily able to share sentiment with one another so when we're talking about oh look how great the economy is you know this is what people could tell you from on high for the past 60 years prior to social media and if you are not personally feeling that well at that point it's like oh well maybe i'm doing something wrong meanwhile we're being told right now that the economy is great that everything is going really well that the labor market is super tight but wages are not increasing people are feeling that tension and by the way Wages, just objectively, I'm a conservative, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump again. I want to put that disclaimer out there. Wages are not rising at the level that they should in a healthy economy. And people are able to communicate about these things via social media. You all of a sudden have neighbors to the tens of thousands that you're seeing agree with you, confirm the things that you are feeling, and to that extent, I think that's why people are gripping onto the ideas of Bernie Sanders, gripping onto the populist ideas of Donald Trump, quicker than they would have otherwise, because there is no ivory tower. Right. Social media has eliminated
3: that's the ivory tower. That's what I'm saying. That's that's the thing is that the the old way of doing things where. It was produced and it was polished and we had an image that we were crafting and people see through all of that. And we, we live in the age of YouTubers and these, these communities of fandom that are, are built around people ad hoc all the time. And it facilitates you, you're forced into authenticity you have to be who you are or you will be called out as fake and that at root that's what the establishment complaint ultimately is is that i don't believe you you are not for me right. You do not believe what you're saying, and I can because I can see you, right. I can see what you're actually doing, how you actually vote, what you actually advocate for, right. and it's not aligned with what you're saying. And
5: by the way, it's all archived, you know so so no matter how old your statements are, no matter how long you've been in Congress and vice versa, everything is digitized, everything is we're able to pull up everything with the quick click of a button, and here's the funny thing. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders have been saying the same things for the past 40 to 45 years. Dude,
8: Donald Trump has not been saying the same thing for that long.
5: Yes, I'm he gonna, has. No, gonna, yes, he has. He's, he's been saying the same he's thing, but yes, he has over. different targets. He's tardis. like go. Rami flip-flop. Go, <laughs> go, go, watch a segment, go watch a segment in the early 90s of Donald Trump talking about China when nobody else was talking about China in the way that we're talking about China right now. We were in the midst of being hollowed out by free trade agreements and all of that. And the economy was booming under people like Reagan. And Donald Trump was talking about China
8: the exact same way he's talking about I can it now. give you things on impeachment. I can give you things on Obama. I can give you things on a war. I, well, I mean, am I the only person if, who's going to say that, hey, in, no, in 2011, Donald high. Trump did
4: say that the president would use Iran to get reelected? I and mean, not just that. I mean, there's a lot more things. So he is saying the That's same Literally
5: thing not now. happening okay, right, right
3: now. So we do have to go to a break. I just think it's, I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's literally not happening. That about five minutes ago, Xavier's like, yeah, I might give 20 seconds at the end. (laughs) And now he's all leaning into the mic and all jumping. I'm going to shout out my Uber driver. (laughs) Thanks for the contribution, Xavier. (laughs) Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, (laughs) 1035 FM, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Thank you.
9: you,
8: Love this. I love how you... Let the beat ride. Whoa, you did not bleep that out like you're supposed to. It was bleep.
0: Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.
3: You're hearing it the wow. way you like it in your head. Yeah, that's okay. that's what's going on. Oh, man. The Lovelace. narration Lovelace. from <laughs> Baby or <Zycott>. <laughs> From <laughs> Bloomington. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. You wouldn't know it's professional radio, folks. It's your last day. You can get away with a lot. You wouldn't know. <laughs> what are they going to do? Fire you? <laughs> 651... <five>, <laughs> 989 5855 is the number to join us on our final night of closing argument. Streaming at com and your iHeartRadio app will be here until 10 o'clock tonight. Brianne, taking your calls, producing the show in studio. Going around the table, Brad Omland, Max Reimer, and Xavier Bailey
8: Zicket. <laughs> uh,
3: whatever it is. <laughs> we don't really care at this point. Pierre right, Delecto. Let's take some of these calls. Let's start with Lorraine in St. Paul. Welcome to the program.
10: Hi, Walter. Thank you very much for, for all that you have done. Uh, I sit quietly, uh, every night listening to you, and I, I know a lot of other people do. I don't call in, but when I do, you talk me off the cliff many times. Uh, one of the most wonderful episodes I think that you had was the night that you, uh, uh, uh gave a dissertation as to what a liberal was, and I made copious notes and and i f- referred to him a lot and I really appreciate you all the time that you spent you were a very intelligent person and you came across with very intelligent shows and I appreciate that and I wanted you to know that
3: well thank you very much Lorraine. I very much appreciate you calling in and uh i'm gonna I'm gonna miss being here and and hearing from you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so surreal to hear that because, like I was talking about, Brian and I were talking about last night. There have been so many, and you remember this too, Brad. There is so many nights coming in here where it just felt like, you know, college radio, where it just felt like, yeah. like late night, nobody's listening, or you are just in the bathroom talking to yourself in the mirror, that I, sort of thing.
4: It's nice to know that people are listening, so right. thank you. Um, I it, but I mean the 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 fact that we're on the radio, I think makes it seem like it's a bigger deal than it is maybe right. um this is obviously a cool place, like you know we are contemporaries of big radio people, but i don't like I would never consider our show that right. that big it It just feels like we made the right connections and are now on the air um it wasn't It wasn't anything more than that, and our you know the relationship that people have with us, I think, is interesting because, or like, you have a parasocial relationship with people on the radio because right. you listen to their words, but it's a one-way conversation. Right. Like somebody will walk up to you and say, "Oh yeah, you remember that time that you said that?" and you're like, "I did." Right. <laughs> like they they people glom onto different thing that the experience differently as a listener versus when you're here in the studio.
8: And I, I'm just going to cut in here real quick because I think a lot more people listen to you than you think. And I've gotten a lot of private messages about how sad they are that you, you're leaving the program. And I'm going to give you a little love shout out here. And in fact, I'm going to take over. it. If you have a favorite time or a favorite memory you have of listening to Walter, Brad, Brianne, you should call and like tell about that favorite time here. And we know we have some people on the phone, but if you can sneak in, you should give a shout out of what you remember and what mattered the most to you. Especially if you work
3: for Uber, be <laughs> extremely appropriate. Let's talk to you, Tom in St. Paul. Welcome to the program.
11: Hello there. Thank you for sharing your time with us. I uh, wish you good luck in your further endeavors. Um, going off the uh, thought process that you guys started with the Tea Party and things, the Tea Party people and and you know myself and others, we thought, okay, finally we're going to get the RNC leadership. To do something that, that that we would actually accomplish things, right. you know. I, I wish they had. I wish they would continue to uh, uh, go with Newt's plan, the uh, you know blueprint for America or whatever. Excuse me, um, but that there was a plan. We had a goal. We were going to do something, and then to to see the way things didn't go,
3: it got, we got set up. It got absorbed by the machine
11: yep yeah, well they, well we 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 trusted them Dag Nabbit, and, mm-hmm. and uh nothing happened, and nothing has happened, and they haven't held the uh, uh the, the the Democrats and the left to the fire but the but the toughest part of all through all of that and that ended up getting us with barack and and where things have gone and that brought us to trump is that people were finally really getting fed up and said, you know what? To heck with you and all these, you know, Jeb and some of these others. Here, take Trump. We know he's a mean, rotten businessman, and, uh, but he, so far he's been doing pretty darn good, I think, and and people are happy with that. Yeah, we'd like him to be a little bit more professional as a president than a businessman, but he's doing the right things he's making results despite the democrats despite the media and that's the worst thing most people are sick and tired of anybody that doesn't get agree with you're hitler or stalin or somebody nasty we have been i'm glad to be called a deplorable now but that's the worst part of it is that the media being the echo chamber is it's, it has ripped apart families friends and that's why people don't say things. You know, here they say people are lonely.
3: I appreciate yeah. the call, Tom. We're, we're gonna. Yeah. I very so much appreciate the thoughts. Keep
7: going.
5: <laughs> Thank you. I think the caller reveals something that's very interesting about how movements movements die. It's when the establishment co ops whatever movement was going on, and I think this is a lesson, and I hope it's a lesson for everybody as we approach this next election. Outwardly, they talk about. Well, now the Trump apparatus is the RNC and the RNC is Trump. They are right. they are one in the same. Right. And if that is the case, it will depend on how much flavor is infused of Donald Trump into this campaign and how much of it is literally the failed plans of the RNC for the past 40 years, the failed playbook. And if... The RNC and and more establishment entities are able to co op Donald Trump in his reelection campaign, and a guy insurgent like Bernie Sanders jumps in. Listen, there's a cocktail there. There's a potential cocktail, a losing formula potentially for Donald Trump. That's my two cents.
3: Let's hear from Brian McDaniel, who joins us on the old hotline. Welcome to the show, Brian. Walter Hudson, how are you? Doing great. Good to hear from you.
6: Yeah, no. I think actually this might have been my first time ever calling in.
3: I think so. That just occurred it to me sounds. as well. It doesn't yeah, feel that way because we talk so much otherwise. Yeah. But yeah, I think
8: this is the first time we've heard that, you on the show. That,
3: that just that just that just makes me a bad friend.
6: <laughs>
3: anyway. He's um, calling in like the real
8: hotline number too. Like I'm looking over at your screen. This is a yeah. like legit hotline.
3: <laughs> oh, I don't make up hotline claims. My hotline <laughs> oh, no, claims no, are no. authentic.
6: So how many how many years was it for uh, for closing argument?
3: Almost three. We'll be a couple weeks short of three.
6: No. Well, anyway, it's uh, it, it's a, I've al- always considered you to be the conscience of the Republican Party. I've always Bam. had so much respect for you. I think that you had a great show, a great run. I'm sorry to see it go, but uh, I know that uh, I know that you will always be around to keep uh, swamp, mon- swamp monsters like me on the straight
3: and narrow. <laughs> well, I very much appreciate that, Brian. Appreciate you making time on this last broadcast to call into the program. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it. I don't know if I'm the conscience of the Republican Party, but I certainly feel like a conscience in the sense that, you know, we all often ignore what our conscience has to say, and I definitely feel like that has been the case. Uh, we're, you know, talking about the, the establishment, the party apparatus, and, and what have you. My perspective has always been in any given moment relatively insurgent and uh yeah it's gotten me this far so plus i think it would be boring to do anything else so well everybody hates you privately though yeah and that's fine that's totally fine <laughs> closing argument my name is walter Twin Cities news talk tech News Talk, 30, 103.5 FM, closing argument. It goes from uh, just a title to a description. This is the final word in our three-year-long argument. Streaming at TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com and your iHeartRadio app, we are here until 10 o'clock tonight. 651-989-5855 is the number to join us. Still got uh, some folks on the line. Let's close out this hour with their comments. We'll go with Zach and Lionel Lakes. Hi. Program.
10: So might as well throw in my closing argument as well, shall I? <laughs> go right ahead. Yeah. So uh, one thing I really liked about the show is that uh, you seem to have a very strong focus on culture and starting conversations related to the culture itself. Mm-hmm. That is something that is sorely lacking in a lot of uh, conservative and libertarian talk shows, and uh, I mean in a sense, I guess you could say that that is a reason why um, why i 've called in less in re- you know in recent months but um, to to sum it up in as short a time as possible um, let me start out with a few quotes um, so I believe it was Breitbart who said that uh, Politics flows downstream from culture. Well, before that, Henry Van Til said, uh, culture is religion externalized. You could use the word religion or faith or worldview, and it's kind of talking about the same concept. So if you think about it, um, if culture is your faith externalized and culture is what creates the political views, you know, I've never been less concerned about the the next election, about the... about the uh, politics, in a sense, itself. That doesn't mean that I don't have political views. I certainly do. But I've been spending more time focusing on talking with real people in my life and uh, trying to start conversations. You know, a really good thing is that since Obama has left office, there have been people who are more left-leaning, who uh, have expressed some more honesty about the legacy of Barack Obama. A good friend of mine who is, uh, who is is left-leaning and also an ethnic minority recently was honest enough to conclude herself that Obama was a really bad, murderous president. I can work with that. <laughs> think about that. Um, it kind of goes back to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the antithesis to all injustice and all tyranny, because he was the strongest being in the entire universe. Yet he freely and voluntarily chose to give his life up for people who were weaker than himself. Now, that compare, compare that with anything else in the world. You see, um, as Gary North is fond of saying, there are only two religions in the world, really, or three. Power religion... A dominion religion, which another a, a term that we'd be more familiar with would be stewardship faith, and escape religion. And uh, most of the politics we see today is is uh, power religion, because, well, you know, people think that uh, we can stop, solve the corruption of the system by making it bigger. As, right. As a- familiar
3: meme may say zach i i always i always love how deep you go unfortunately we're hurting for time tonight on this final uh, installment of the program and you're touching upon some stuff that would require us to to spend a whole lot of time unpacking but people it's worth doing that folks you know google the stuff uh, zach is talking about i've always appreciated your contributions and thanks for being a part of the program let's go to leland in minneapolis welcome to the show
7: Oh Walter, I'm really bummed out that the show is uh, coming to its uh, end, but uh, I would say do not silence your voice because it is sorely needed. I agree with the last two callers about uh, resurrection. This is an important year, and I see you as a conservative, theocratic, sort of pragmatic uh, individual uh, with the way that you look at stuff, and I know that that was one of the things that I heard three uh, pastors that have worldwide ministries that talked about, you know, uh, why it's good to go with certain parties. Now if they got the flexibility to, to choose the party that they want to support. And one of the things that they always said is they don't really like the way some of the messaging is coming across because it's uh, it is not scriptural. And when I look at what you say. I just think that it's just because of it. it's been the evening and a lot of people are winding down, but they really need to get this because this is what people are starving for. Every time these worldwide ministries make that point, I always think they need Walter Hudson in there. You know, in, in high school there was this drummer that I had, and I kept touting how great this drummer was. And everybody said, no, nah, man, that kid." that kid went on to be the new power generation drummer, Michael Bland, for Prince. And I kept telling everybody how great he was. And I will say to you, do not silence your voice. I don't care how it comes out in its red direction, but we need you to keep your voice, your sort of theocratic conservative voice. We the Republican Party really needs it. So
3: I appreciate I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Leila. I appreciate uh, those kind words. When we come back, I'm gonna I'm gonna confront that. Not just uh, what the future may look like, but also why this is happening. Why is the show coming to an end? There's a conspiracy theorist in the room who doesn't believe that what I've said is the whole truth. His name might rhyme with Xavier Pickett. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it when we return. <laughs> Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk. AM 1130, 103.5 FM. com. Take this one right away. If it is who I think it is, Neil from Maple Grove. This is going to be really awkward if you're not who I think you are.
2: <laughs> no, unfortunately, it is who you think it is.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear from you, man.
2: Yeah. Well, listen, of course, I had to call in on your last show, but all right. So just buckle up because, you know, everybody else is singing your praises, so I'll jump in. Um, you know, I remember when I first met you, what was it, 10 years ago? And we were involved man. in Noran Dillon's uh, yeah. Senate campaign. Yeah, oh, old man, it has been forever. I'll tell you what. You know, usually, you know, I, I'm a pretty good judge of character, and sometimes you meet people and you just click right away. And, and that was definitely us. Awesome. And yeah, it has been an honor and a privilege to work with you and alongside of you in, in so many different contexts in the last couple of years, and I know that's going to keep going. And I know that this was <clears throat> this radio show was something that you had. You had planned your life around you. This was a goal of yours for such a long time, and I'm mm. really proud of you for getting the show. And you know, hey, you know, I'll let the conspiracy theorists talk about all this. <laughs> I,
3: you
2: know, I just, you're, I know you're, I know you're not done, and uh, I just, I just want to say how much I appreciated, you know, you letting me once in a while sneak on the air and talk about, you know, non-political things, yeah, uh, and, yeah. and giving me a voice at times when. I was going through all my, my libertarian phase, as I like to call it. But I yeah. uh, just wanted to say, you know, thanks for everything and good luck. And uh, to quote the uh, Twins announcer from 1991, we will see you tomorrow night.
3: <laughs> I appreciate it, Neil. It's always been great having you on the program. And, and you're right. We're, we're not done yet. Appreciate it. You have That's a good one. Right. We'll see you, man. All right. Closing argument, my name's Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM, streaming at TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com and on your iHeartRadio app. We're here for one more hour, our final broadcast of uh, the decade, the century, who knows. Certainly not going to be on, uh, on the station on Monday, let's put it that way.
5: People who are waiting on the phone calls, it's like, hey... If you don't call in now, when do you, when do, when do you plan on calling in? Everyone's gotten in the back of their mind that I'm going to call up Walter and give him a piece of my mind, right? But not today, right?
3: Or they're going to wait till the last ten minutes or whatever. So, Brian, taking those calls, producing the show in studio, going around the table. We have Brad Homeland, our original producer in the house. We have Max Reimer. Uh, who has been a guest host and guest of the program many times. And of course, Xavier Bickett, who's contributed in innumerable ways, not just being a guest himself, but also bringing guests to the program. Very much appreciate you three gentlemen uh, being here. Let's talk a little bit about radio, shall we? Yes. Because this is a fascinating. So Neil brings up that I rearranged my life in order to do this show. And it's funny because as he, as I heard him say that, I thought to myself, did I? And then I realized, I'm like, oh, yeah, I absolutely did. I, I quit a job, and I sought out a totally different job just so that I would be able to rearrange my schedule to do this show. And, you know, this is something that r- radio was something that I was passionate about when I was a teenager. It's something that I, I actually interned at KDWB, which is across the hallway here. Back then, it was at Butler Square downtown out of high school and even then my goal wasn't to spin top 40 records my goal was to get into talk radio that's what i wanted to do which you know tony fly found very bizarre at the time and um and and here i am and it and it was not a direct path by any stretch of the imagination it was a very circuitous Journey that I—if anywhere along it—I never would have guessed that I would have ended up actually having a show on the same station that Rush Limbaugh broadcasts on. The guy who brought me into this world, um, and yeah, you know, to meet people like Sue Jeffers and Ron Rosenbaum and Drew Lee and and Jack Tomzak and you know the fo- all the folks who have come before, and uh, to be able to to be colleagues of those people has been a tremendous honor and now the time has come to transition to the next chapter and you know a lot of folks have been curious as to why that's happening and i felt as though i explained it but apparently according to at least one guy in the room it isn't an adequate explanation
8: yeah it's super tin hat conspiracy theory because i've heard of other people that I Heart Radio is literally cutting people, mm-hmm. cutting jobs, right? Like, that's what I read an article about. So, so the, I'm like, they're going to cut Walter.
3: The greatest fuel for conspiracy is genuine coincidence. <laughs> and that's what we're dealing with here yes. is, is genuine coincidence. So I, I emailed Chad Abbott, my program director, I emailed him my resignation last Monday. I had a conversation with a producer in the building Monday night where I told him, and at that time it had not been announced, I told him, yeah, I'm going to be leaving, I turned in my resignation this morning, and then we had this interesting little philosophical conversation about the industry and the future of radio, and my position was somewhat cynical and his was more optimistic. The next day, he lost his job Dang! as part of the layoffs that took place here at iHeart. Total coincidence. Now... You want to get conspiratorial. I I do not know and may never know whether or not I was also on that chopping block. Like, it's entirely possible that Chad got that email yeah. one day, and he was like, well, that's going to be easy. It's possible. One less phone call, right? Like So that's entirely possible. I have no idea whether or not I was going to survive the storm um, of the layoffs that happened. But I was not officially part of that net. It just so happened to coincide that that I'm leaving the air at the same time as as Sue Jeffers, which really just blows my mind because she's another one of those voices that I came up with, and you know she she got me onto this station very directly and personally, and so to to be sharing an exit like this. Is a, is a pretty surreal moment for me. I feel
8: him. like we're going to miss out on a lot of local voice. Oh, yeah. You are a local voice. I can know people like my brother who listened to you, a friend I work with listened to you, and all these people that have that want that local voice, whether they're sitting there at their garage or on a ride home from work or working at the time, they, they tune in to listen to you, and they've said, you know, Walter's great. I love listening to him. I feel like Minnesota's going to lose a real voice not just like a voice for liberty conservatism, but someone that they feel like they can tune in and hear like what's going on locally. And I feel people are going to miss that. When, when I... I got this
3: show, the conversations that I had with, with Chad Abbott and with Drew Lee and, and you know with other folks who were involved in getting this show on the air, it was very much it. It was a win for everybody involved for that reason because it's local yes and the idea of being able to have local programming that's kind of a, a holy grail in the current radio environment because the the conventional corporate wisdom is that it's better to have it's it's a better value to the company to have syndicated programming and so to be able to slot a local show into the lineup uh, was was a huge win for them and i don't know what's going to replace it i have i have no idea what's going on. I was going to
8: say like. you what's going on i mean I just think about like local people that you've had on your show. Like we brought, I mean, Maj Chiuery wasn't local, but like Black Guns Matter, like doing yeah. the local Republican outreach to the Black community, or having the president of the NAACP on. The talking to talk. candidates, yeah. talking well, to well, candidates. I, I like, even know,
5: like the candidates tour, right? Is is you you try to you try to call into the morning show, you try to get a spot in the morning show, and then you try to get a spot on Walter's show. I mean, for that's, fifteen
8: minutes on the morning show, but Walter, you can get a whole half hour or an right. hour, like that's. It's,
5: it's the strategy right I mean yeah. if, if there is a local media strategy for a local candidate who needs a little bump in exposure who who happens to align somewhat with the the philosophical beliefs of this show and of you um it's been an asset it has yeah. been an asset for sure what uh the you know kind of transitioning obviously we we talked a little bit about how you got brought in and and the process of the resignation a little bit what what is it you you want to do Walter?
3: So at at this point, I'll tell you what I would have liked to have done. Yeah, let's go um, there. I yeah. I struggled over the course of these past three years to try to make the best of this program that I could and try to turn it into something more than it was. One thing I didn't want to do because you know I'd be lying if I said well let's that, let but let's talk in like plain terms. Like you
5: wanted to make this a career, sure. That would have been ideal, right? Like absolutely. we're talking about, like monetization, yes. su- sustainability, right? That's what.
3: That's what not we're have to have another job. That's right. Be mm-hmm. able to that's focus. what we're talking about, right? Yeah, that that absolutely would have been the goal, uh, but there just it just never manifested. I feel as though I got into radio, getting into radio in the 21st century is like getting into vaudeville in like 1935, right? Like you're you're getting into a medium at the exact point that it's becoming irrelevant, which is a hell of a thing to say. On uh, iHeartMedia while we're broadcasting. (laughs) They're going to pull you off this one early. (laughs) Yeah, right. While you're broadcasting to people who are actually listening to the radio. Obviously, the people who are listening are not part of that trend. But there is a broader trend where there's this new media happening, YouTube, social media, all all these different podcasts. And the the ability, you know, while the numbers may still be there in terms of the number of people who are listening – the capacity for content creators to make a living and to monetize and to to carve out a, a career for themselves, that opportunity is becoming more and more difficult, more and more out of reach. Well, it's all
4: segmentation, right? Like the standard Twin Cities News Talk listener is probably a 40- or 50-year-old guy, has a working-class job, is con- politically conservative, um, and likes to talk politics with his buddies at the bar like that's kind of your average person whereas the kdwb listener is probably younger or like a parent with kids Mm -hmm. and like the city's 97 listener is like a 30 year old woman who's has a college degree kind of liberal lives in minnetonka and goes to her her family's cabin on the weekends like there's all kind of these like personas that the radio stations are trying to target and if you can target your persona and do it well, there is a lot, still a lot of money to be made in that. I, I don't think that we're losing the mass media sense, like top 40 radio is not the big thing that everybody listens to anymore. Like we don't just have the four big networks on TV anymore. It's, much, it's a much more uh, diverse ecosystem, you could say. And so that same thing is happening in radio where there is money to be made. You just have to find your segment and uh, mine it well.
3: Well, and I was stuck between a rock and a hard place because in order to work to promote yourself and make the moves you need to do in order to advance something like this, you need to have time. And I did not have yeah. any time at all. Like I, my, my day, and I've described it and I'll, I'll spare people repeating it, but my day has been just from dawn till dusk and beyond with work and family responsibilities and church and this show. And there, there is no time in there to thread in like a lunch with the sales team, or, or to try to in some other way promote the brand or reach out to people. And so, it, without that capacity, it became a situation where I, I very quickly got tired, and the, the I was teetering on this precipice of either circumstances were were going to align in such a way as to enable me to stop doing the show. Or circumstances were going to align in such a way that I could only do the show, and the the,
8: the former is what manifested first. <clears throat> it's not like you didn't, <clears throat> you weren't doing the show for the money, I and mean, it was passion, obviously. Well, yeah, but that- but you but the the problem is is that when you're coming
3: in at eight o'clock at night, I know, and you're give, you you're giving it the remains of the day. I can't tell you how many times. I would be driving around with my day job at, like, noon or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And inside my own head, I'm on fire on some topic. <laughs> and I'm and I'm man. anxious to get into the studio and to just let loose with whatever it is that I'm thinking about. But by the time I get to 8 o'clock, I'm like a a 75-year-old man who's like, what now? <laughs> You're like, I just can't remember. <laughs> I, I just don't know where my head's at because I'm so tired and I, I'm, I'm bringing what I have left over rather than my best.
8: You know, but I don't think listeners got that from you. Like, I feel like you are always on. And like, I even remember being in the studio and it's just me and you. And I'm like, listen to you go on your thing, your rant or intellectual thing you got. And you're looking at me like, Xavier, are you going to respond? And I'm literally listening to you in the studio as a listener. Like, I'm still like in awe of what you have to say and how you approach topics. That's what that was. I thought you were just <laughs> and you're like, looking at me, just like, Are you gonna <laughs> say something? <laughs> just drawing. That's that's what I was assuming. <laughs> no, I would sit. I mean, I've been in this seat looking at you, like I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And he's looking at me like, are you gonna f- say something? <laughs>
4: well, I mean, last Thursday, I think that was when we got Indignant Walter again. Like you listen to that, and you're like, it like just impressed that that comes Thank out, out of someone. Like Thank you, I it it is. It's still fun to listen to. Like, it's, it's like watching your friend who's like really good at playing guitar. Like, yeah, you play guitar and try to keep up with them, but ultimately it's like, wow, they're so much better than me. Yeah. You ain't gonna,
5: you ain't gonna solo like that. that. Right.
4: Yeah, yeah. exactly.
5: But, but what, so, so along the way, you and your family, Walter, you, you made this intentional sacrifice with this idea that you were pursuing something that was a greater goal. Right. You know, with a, and, You'd said either circumstances were going to show themselves as it just wasn't working out, or circumstances were going to make themselves so apparent that you had to continue the show. And I'm sure you went into the radio situation
3: with that in mind, that that was... There's there's providence on both ends of this. Sure. There's providence in getting it and providence in leaving it. But you talked about the former and the
5: latter, and you were hoping, obviously, as we all hope, against or for or with God's will, that the 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 path forward was going to be the providence was going to land on on the fact that you would continue radio when did you start to feel the and not to say that your product ever decreased because i agree with these guys i mean i tuned in nearly every night to to hear you when did you start to feel those sands
3: shift? I had a very... I'll tell you when I, when we get back, because we're a couple minutes late from a break, and it's a it's a, <laughs> it's a a worthwhile question. I'll tease with that. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. All right, let's get right back into this. So we have in studio Brent Omland, Max Reimer, Xavier Pickett. Okay. the final closing argument my name's Walter Hudson Twin Cities news talk AM 11:30 1035 fm
5: hey let me uh, let me preempt my question because you know we have some people who are probably just tuning in yep. and and I think I ask these because in in a similar situation as the listeners as the is the other folks on this table it's it's a bit confusing for somebody in my opinion to be so talented at what they do and taking an early leave like this. You know, it feels, to a lesser extent, it feels like a Barry Sanders type situation, you know, where it's like, okay, something is is going on, something in particular is going on that would prompt a decision like this. What I asked you before is, you had said that there was either going to be a door opening or a door closing, essentially. And I wanted to know that you come in bright-eyed into the situation, your family's making the same sacrifice that you're making. Mm -hmm. When did those sands start to shift from the door at least hopefully being open to the door starting to close.
3: So as soon as I started having thoughts along the lines of this may end at some point, the one conviction that I stood upon was that I wasn't going to let it end without being able to say that I left everything on the field, so to speak, that I had done everything I could to try to make the most out of it as possible. And so to that end, I had a lot of conversations with uh, a number of people, in the industry um, and people who I looked up to who had experience um, regarding the potential of syndication, of going national, of doing this, of doing that. And I had one particular conversation with an individual who I will not name because I I don't know that I have permission to, but you would recognize the name Um, and somebody who definitely knows what they're talking about and has a lot of experience in this industry. Somebody who's running for United States Senate? May or may not be. And uh, basically what I was told in short was, you got talent, kid. I feel sorry for you. Mm. But you're just like what I said in the last segment. You got into Vaudeville in 1935. Like, the, mm. there's, there's a reason why I'm a former radio host, this, this individual is telling me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, this, the, the future is not in this format, in terms of the ability to make the kind of living that people were able to doing this thing, talking about politics on the radio broadcast, that the capacity to do that has been diminished to the point where it's not worth doing. And it wasn't so much a, you know, he or she didn't slam the door on me, but it was a very matter-of-fact, your expectations, by all means, keep trying. Here's here's a few things. Here's a few people you can talk to. Here's a few, sure. here's what I would do if I was in your situation. But the reality is, the, you you're it's not you. It's the industry. It's sure. basically what the message was. And past that point, past that conversation, it just became very apparent to me that that was the truth. That that was the the true representation of where we're at in the the development of this particular industry
5: you know it was really funny because in a very similar sense and i wasn't going to do this forever but one of my first jobs out of college i was selling yellow page advertising you know and and i think that's an industry that is more rapidly declining obviously than any radio or any any other format you know that's kind of a dying star but it was really interesting to hear some of the the old war stories or lack thereof where people would work half the year and make a very nice six-figure income selling yellow page ads right and it is fascinating, what are we, you know, what are we in the golden age of, what, talk about energy, it's never created or destroyed, it's always transferred in, in the form of kinetic energy, what is the next thing that people are propelling themselves into at a mass scale, because there's more, there at one point in time, I believe there were more, um, maybe I'm wrong, but more well-to-do radio hosts than there are... For instance, YouTube influencers right. who are making a boatload of money, right? And that leads me to my next question: Like, what we? You had callers tonight, and you have us, obviously, who are fanboys. What is what is the next thing for you? Understanding that, like, you do have a voice, and you do have talent, and you do have this this thing that you bring to the table. If not radio,
3: what? That's a great question to go into break with, and so we but, shall. Closing argument, my name is Walter Hudson, Brad Omland, Max Reimer, Xavier Bickett, around the table, your phone call, 651-989-5855. The final closing argument, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Time to hear from you before we answer Max's question about the future of my commentary. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. Closing argument. My name's Walter Hudson. Streaming at TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com and on your iHeartRadio app. 651-989-5855 is the number. Breanne taking your calls, producing the show. Uh, we're we're going to have to, you know, I hate to do it to folks on the last night, on the last opportunity to call into the program, but we're in order to get through all of you, we're going to have to limit the amount of time that we spend on each call. Let's start with Kevin. In Inver Grove Heights, welcome to the program. Kevin, how you doing? I, I hate to do it, but I'm going to move on to Rob in Minneapolis.
1: Hey, guys. good Thanks for having the call. So, yeah. you know, people, you've been asking about it, and your name, by the way, <laughs> it fits. Your last night, your last Rob, so it fits the name of the show. But I stumbled on you a couple years ago when you were on your old-time slot, and it was a drive home every night coming through. And, and you're right. Where things are going, nobody seems to know. What attracted me to you wasn't your political stance. It's the fact that even though you're not an old dog on the radio or in in media, you haven't been followed in the trap to where your own personal convictions are the only thing you cover. You go head-to-head against your opponents, clearly, decisively, and you give them time to speak about the other side. Mm -hmm. That is lost in media, whether TV or radio today. Especially with new up and coming hosts, you know exactly where they stand. You can see it in the way they treat their guests. You can see it on the people they have on their shows, who they speak with. But you don't do that. You, you know, you you literally bring the counterpart on your show, and you have for all these years to let people hear both. And that's something Walter, you should be proud of.
3: Well, I appreciate the the comment there, Rob. And you know, the interesting thing is going back to your observation, Brad, about you know, indignant Walter. it's... It's not as though i'm I'm a squishy moderate, therefore I have progressives on my show. It's very much the opposite it's I know exactly what I believe and why I believe it, so now let's find out what the other side let now let's refine our point of view by taking a listen to what the other side has to say. Let's hear from Mike in St Paul welcome to the program
9: uh, hi Walter um I will miss uh your intellect um one of the strongest i've ever um heard on the radio and i listen to a lot of radio um quick question uh please gloss over it if you need be because my main question is second but i am curious as to what that person running for senator said what what is the death of political radio here why is that not going to work but my main question is um colin calling in last night (laughs) Um, you are very adept at sidestepping that, but I'd like your opinion. How close are we to what Colin,
3: you armed revolution? Already?
9: In light of the fact that during this weekend in Virginia, I saw a sign that said, the American Revolution started for less. Thank you, Walter, and God bless you. Yeah,
3: I appreciate uh, both those questions, Mike. As far as um, what the, my, uh, my mentor, or would-be mentor said regarding the end of, uh, or at least the the contraction, perhaps not the end, of um, broadcast radio, it wasn't so much analyzing the reasons for it, just as, as citing that that's what's happening. Like, why it's happening is a different conversation. It's simply acknowledging the fact that it is happening, and that shapes the the context in which one can pursue a career in this particular industry. As far as the American Revolution, I tend to agree with the cynicism of Matt Walsh, who talks about the the, the Netflix revolution, that the, the idea that people are going to take to the streets and that we're going to have another Gettysburg in an era where most people's highest ideal is to get to their Netflix and chill portion at the evening seems pretty dubious. I, I don't think we're anywhere near a sustained, passionate, armed conflict. And, and not just for that reason, but also there, there aren't those kind of geographical and cultural lines on a map that you can point to and say, this is what this area believes, and this is what that other area believes, where you could have that sort of formation of, of tribal, civil unrest. Um, but And beyond that, I don't think we've exhausted, just as a practical matter, I don't think you can make the case for it at this point. We have not exhausted, we we have not left everything on the field within the context of the the political system that we have. The American Revolution was a revolution against a system that was untenable. There was nothing you could do except turn to what they did. We don't have that excuse. We have a system that's very much capable of being utilized towards productive ends. We simply lack the will. We lack the will and we lack the conviction. And we lack the culture to produce both that will and that conviction, and that's that's where I think the focus needs to be is on pressing forward with reformation in the culture. Let's hear from Joe and Dresser, Wisconsin.
2: Hey, Walter, long-time listener, first-time caller. <clears throat> um, is your wife pregnant?
3: No, that's a great, that's a good guess, though.
2: <laughs> okay, just just a, just a thought, but I'll keep it short. This is totally stolen from uh Dana last show but um i'm not gonna cry i'm too tough to cry but my eyes are leaking (laughs) i appreciate it i've enjoyed your show every night uh since i started listening about a year ago and we will definitely miss you
3: i appreciate it joe and i've always appreciated your calls thanks for being a part of the program let's hear from sam in plymouth friend of uh more than one person in the room welcome to the show
2: Hey, Walter, thanks for uh, taking my call. I wanted to thank you and everybody in the room there for uh, standing up for religious liberty and taking the libertarian ideas forward into the future. Um, your program on Super Eid, where you kind of went on a rant <laughs> that for people in my community, and it's spelled yeah. myths about conservativism, oh. the conservative movement. So Wow. I want to let you know that. Thanks.
3: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. That's, that's really meaningful. Like, I get the feels on that. Cause that 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 was sincere. Like my indignation, and I'm actually surprised, Brad, because that goes back to to the, the days when you were producing the program, the whole super id thing, and the controversy over oh, Muslims are descending upon the the uh, the Viking Stadium, and that somehow heralds the return of the second Imam or whatever. I, I don't. We know. got a lot of calls like about that issue specifically, and it was just such a nothing burger, and it was so hilarious. I mean she- people people seem to
5: think that they were slaughtering animals in US Bank Stadium. Yeah. yeah like yeah. that was happening. Like the re- blood would be spilt. <sighs> just there. <Aaron laughs> in the name Roberts. of Allah. <laughs>
3: like,
5: like people it really was- thought that.
3: Oh man. You guys
5: <laughs> What are we doing? <laughs> so yeah, they would definitely rent out US Bank Stadium to slaughter the uh slaughter the goats. Let the blood be spilt on the turf. Yeah, it was give me a break. It was
3: uh a it was hilarious and also sad, but but ultimately triumphant. I mean, that was a triumphant moment in terms of pushing back against the, the residual forces that kind of pollute the fringes of conservatism with legitimate bigotry. I mean, you're talking about legitimately bigoted opinions where, where you're drawing the broadest possible generalizations about a person based upon their association, And their
8: irrelevant association at that that Bob Creo ever call back? Did you ever have that legit debate? Because
3: I'm sorry, but I'm I'm laughing just because I know that's not how his name is pronounced. I don't know how his name is pronounced, and neither do I. And he was so anal about it, like, he got so upset because I
8: mispronounced his name. That's when you know you're dealing with a classic. He never came on the show, like, he never had the final. That's why I thought, no, Bob Creo, whatever your name is. (laughs) <laughs> and he, well, and he kept making up
3: excuses like you—you've never called me. That's why I've never come on your show, dude. It's 2019 or whenever it was. Like, it's acceptable for me to message you on Facebook and you respond. You know, whatever. So, at any rate, I want to answer your question, Max. Going back to what does the future look like? Yeah, for you, not for radio. So. If I come back to the commentary space, which I don't have any plans drawn up to do anytime soon, but if I do, I I want to do so in a format and a function different than what we did this time around. I don't want it to be me monologuing. I don't want it to be this short form. Here's eight minutes on a topic, and then now we got to go to break. You know, I I I I look to things that I see on YouTube um, where you have. The This kind of core of collaborating commentators, the, there are spaces in the commentary uh, that you see in YouTube specifically around like pop culture, movies, Star Wars, Marvel, fan communities that I think that what they're doing in their media could translate over to the political slash cultural space and i haven't seen anything like that yet like there's political stuff on youtube but it seems to be very much in the vein of i'm a guy and this is what i think and blah 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 Mm blah which is fine but it's not as what it doesn't do is it doesn't build community it doesn't build this sense of being part of something and being interactive in a way that seems to be very successful for a lot of folks like like john campia collider video uh, SEN, there are a number of YouTube channels I could point to that are doing really interesting and provocative things in the pop culture space that I think could translate to politics. I'd be interested in pursuing something like that, but it would require a commitment in time and resources that I don't anticipate having anytime soon. He
8: still has so. an answer. <laughs> he still has an answer to this question of what he's going to be doing next.
5: Well, he did answer that. Going no. to work. It's no. A, it's I a, mean, a, it's a hiatus.
8: People want you to be giving some voice, being on YouTube, being something, and you're just dragging people along that you don't have a solution for. Jeez, Xavier. Yeah, I'm going to tell you <laughs> right now. People want you to be on something that they can turn in tomorrow night and be like, there's my Walter. He needs a break. Yeah, I'm going to take a break, dude. Well, you, how are we going to let people know when you're back? I'll, I'll,
3: well, There are mechanisms. There are means. Mm-hmm. They'll figure it out. People will find it. They found it the first time, they'll find it again. You know, I do think you glossed over
5: it earlier on in the show about family obligations and church obligations and things of those that nature. And You, you did gloss over it because the, the program is yours, the program is the focus, and the program is what you talk to the audience about predominantly. But I think it's worth saying that your family... Made a, a mutual sacrifice in Absolutely. this journey with you. And Absolutely, the most noble thing that you can be doing. I think the most noble call for any man's life is to be a husband and a, and a father, and uh, just that 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 relationship, you know, with your family. Like, what was what was their journey like in this with you?
3: I can't tell you how many nights I had to look at my sons and my wife and walk out the door, yeah. like yeah, after after having just enough time to. Have a meal, maybe, and catch up on their day a little bit, and just have to turn around and walk right back out the door, knowing that when I came home, they were going to be asleep. And I'm very much looking, I had a conversation with my 10 year old today, right before I left to come here, where I said, Hey, uh, you know how I'm on the radio? And he goes, Yeah, Mm -hmm. like, well, tonight's my last night. And I just wanted you to know that. And he was like, Oh, uh, and I'm like, that means that I'm going to be able to be around more. Yeah. And he was like, oh. And that's exciting. Listen, man. You know what I'm saying?
5: Man, you can't beat that.
3: The The idea of, you know, people, people, are like, people have said things along the lines of this talent, that talent, you should do this, you should do that. What I'm excited about is actually turning my talent toward raising these boys yeah. into men. Because I got a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old. And if I don't start now really leaning into it, I'm gonna miss the opportunity to be that kind of an influence. Right, right. So you might be waiting for like a decade or so
8: before you get but, some But there's there's your answer, Xavier. You know? I mean, I mean I'm happy. I mean I I want you to spend more time with your family. I know what that's like having Yeah, you're yeah. walking it back but, but real. I, but here's what hard I'm gonna say though you, is being on the radio like a specific time is a lot different than being able to do like I got two hours right here and there right. like squeeze in so you know you can cheat a little bit and be like here's my lunch break bam pop right, out right, an right, episode right, right well and maybe uh maybe maybe there's ways to integrate the kids into
3: it i'd have to figure out ways to do it anonymously but i'm not sure how family
8: that works. first so i I, yeah. I love it for, i love it for that and max i mean i feel like max interviewing for a job right now like asking like hey what do i have to expect
5: <laughs> i think we're all curious i think we're all we are we are we are all genuinely looking for answers and i think again what what the callers' themes are like, your touch, like, and and I think you, Brad, Brianne, y'all you, you get a little bit cynical about this platform and the people you're actually reaching, the work you're actually doing in people's hearts and minds. Yeah. I, I think you really do. Um, because cause myself, you know, I I put a little note on on Facebook, and uh, yeah, I I did get a little misty writing the thing because as I built my little business that I run now, like you guys accompanied me in that after my wife and kids went to sleep, and you guys were with me in that journey, and I got to hear intelligent, political, local conversation, and it wasn't Sean Hannity, it wasn't Glenn Beck, it wasn't repetitive talking points. Right. It was the, the content that that I wanted to hear, right. and I think you mean that to a lot of different people out there.
3: Well, I'm, I'm happy to have uh, provided that and gr- immensely gratified to hear that people found value in it. One last segment when we return. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Not much time left, folks. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. My name's Walter Hudson, Brad Omland, Max Reimer, Xavier Bickett in studio, Brianne in the control room. This is it.
5: This is it. The show is called Closing Argument. Right. Walter, over the past three years, we've seen multiple transformations in you, in the world, politics, personal, religion, nothing that you haven't covered. What is the what is the closing argument? What is the thing that you leave this audience with? What is the, the final lecture, so to speak, the final rant from Walter Hudson on on this show? What have you learned? <laughs> God is good.
3: He is victorious, he has already won, and we get to share in his victory if we choose to. There's so much conflict around us, and we're so close to it, that it's easy to forget that it's been resolved. You know, it's kind of like watching a movie like Titanic, you know how it ends, But you still get caught up in the scenes and the drama of the scenes and how it's playing out. And you feel this tension like you're not sure whether or not the boat's actually going to sink or not. That's a a pessimistic example, but the principle still applies. We know how this is going to end. And it's going to end with the victory of truth because truth can't fail. That's what makes it truth. And the, the silliness of our opponents, and it is silliness. It's pitiful it's impotent, it's fated to fail, it's condemned, it's going to be literally cast into hell. When you realize that that's the situation that we're in, it's incredibly uplifting. And that's, to me, that is the most surprising takeaway, not just in that I've become something of an optimist over the course of the past three years which is something that i never would have characterized myself as before certainly not at the beginning of the program but also that it's extremely simple and obvious and beyond contention and not and not particularly you don't have to be clever to come to this realization you just have to be observant and submit yourself to the truth and it really does truly, as the Bible says set you free the truth does set you free ultimately and all of this rebellion that we see around us characterized and personified by the left is exactly that it's rebellion against the authority of God and His truth and His creation and so going forward my appeal to all of you Is to submit yourself to him, submit yourself to truth, remain comforted in the knowledge that he's already won, he's already victorious, and that we are going to win along with him. This is not a battle, it's just a drama that's already been written, and we're just going along for the ride, and we get to celebrate in the end for eternity. Closing argument. My name's Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 1035 FM, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.